Hello, lovely listeners, welcome back. It's Siavento here, and you are listening to the British Whisperer, the place to be to know which stories are making the headlines and learn the English you need. With this podcast, you can stay informed about the world while practicing your listening skills or learning your vocabulary. On the podcast website, thebritishwhisperer.com, you can find a link to the podcast webpage with full transcript of each episode and its translation in Italian. In the sixth episode of The British Whisperer, I'm going to focus first on a resurfacing trend in the world of shoes. The Birkenstock Boston clocks are so hot, says an article of the New York Times, that in the US is almost impossible to find a pair. Curious to know more? Next, on a window of Britain, focus on the Iceberg Lady, aka the Prime Minister Liz Truss and their current government troubles, but also King Charles III and the Queen Consort Camilla, coronation issues are in the spotlight, with a row over Camilla's crown. Next, space to wildlife and to animals that are making the news these days in London and in Nottinghamshire, a fox and a hedgehog. And finally, I will explore some English idioms about animals. Can you hold your horses, lovely listeners? Be sure to stick to the end of this episode to find out. Are you ready to get the latest news and learn some new English today? Birken fever is here to stay, guys. Birkenstock keep on trading on. Once the shoe of choice for the free-thinking flower children of the 60s, they found favor in the 90s with a stylish set that included Madonna and Marc Jacob. Birkenstock are an anti-glitz statement, one marketing expert told The Times in 1992. The 80s were glitzy and dressy, and these shoes are literally down to earth. Over the past decade, Birkenstock have sauntered back into the world of high fashion. In 2013, the French label Celine included a fur-lined version in its spring show. This year, Birkenstocks are hotter than ever. The classic Boston style has become a rare commodity and is nearly impossible to find it in stores in America, prompting a thriving cottage industry online. People buy them and then resell it for like five times the amount, said one successful reseller. Biggest and Boston clocks should cost you about $160, says the New York Times, if you can find a pair, that is. Thanks largely to social media, the cork-heeled staple has become a hot tick item in recent months. It's so hot! That the taupe suede leather model, the favorite among users on TikTok, is sold out in every size on Birkenstock website in America. Only a few sizes are available in other suede leather clothes. The rise of the Birkenstock Boston did not happen overnight. The clocks were spotted in 2021 on the feet of many celebrities, including Kendall Jenner, Kaya Gerber, the daughter of Cindy Crawford, and YouTube personality Emma Chamberlain. So, do you have a pair of Boston Birkenstocks? Do you reckon that the clocks are a passing trend or not? Let me know your ideas by emailing me at thebritishwhisper at writeme.com.
Don't be drunk was the golden rule of radio. Now we can add don't be trust, writes Charlotte Ivers on the Times of London. Liz Truss, the Heisberg lady, is the headline of The Economist. King Charles III last week greeted her with the chilling words, Back again, dear, oh dear. Britain's Prime Minister wilts in a mess of her own making, writes The Economist. This trust is finished, is the headline of the New York Times today. How long can this trust last, writes the first edition from The Guardian. Well, Liz Truss has managed to pack a lot into six short weeks as Prime Minister, and yet, with every passing moment, it seems her position becomes more precarious. Let's quickly recap. A change of monarch, a fiscal event that caused the pound to plunge and government bonds to go into freefall, forcing the Bank of England to step in to undo some of the damage. And now, a new Chancellor. In fact, Britain's Prime Minister Liz Truss fired her Finance Minister Kwasi Kwarteng last Friday and appointed a new Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, who, on Monday, scrapped almost all of the mini-budget controversial tax cuts. In his own words, it was too much, too fast. An ideologically motivated, uncosted plan that even some right-wing think tanks believe went too far. Trust reversal showed war readers the dangers of taking the wrong path in the fight against inflation, writes the New York Times. Trustonomics is over, guys, and so probably is Mrs. Trust's time in number 10. If you take away a promise of tax cut, what is left? A politician who makes six to ten speeches with none of the magic of Boris Johnson, her predecessors. There is a good case now for Mrs. Truss to step aside and let Mr. Hunt take over at Prime Minister's questions on Wednesdays, writes the Telegraph. The new Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, represents something that Truss no longer does. Reliable, old-fashioned, budget-slashing, fiscal conservatism. The stuff that has defined Tory politics for well over a decade. And that's what he's planning to do in a bid to calm the markets and recoup political and economic credibility for his party. Austerity 2.0 As the roller coaster continues, at least one thing remains clear. Liz Truss is fighting for her political life. With Truss's authority in peril after only six weeks in number 10, rebellious Conservatives MPs are seeking to force her from Downing Street. The Guardian print edition leads this Monday morning with Truss fights for survival as Tory rebel MPs warn that game is up. The PM also fights for her survival in the Financial Times, which adds business chiefs and plotters pile on pressure. Tory MPs Quit now. That's the message for this trust, according to the Mirror. It seems to be a matter of when she goes, not if, writes the Guardian. Let's leave the iceberg lady with her floating problematic icebergs and let's move now to Buckingham Palace. King Charles III's coronation date has been revealed. The king will be crowned along with the Queen Consort, Camilla, on Saturday, May the 6th, 2023. 
The coronation of King Charles will reflect the changing nature of Britain and the hardship being felt by many. Palace insiders have said, reports the Times of London. The announcement follows widespread reports that the service will be shorter and simpler than the Queen's coronation in 1953, which lasted about three hours and packed 8,000 people into the Abbey of Westminster, four times its normal capacity. There is speculation that the coronation could last little longer than an hour and be attended by about 2,000 people. The palace assertion that the service will look towards the future implies that it will not be wholly traditional. But maybe the 6th will also be the fourth birthday of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex's son, Archie, highlighting how even at the pinnacle of royal celebration, family rifts will still have the power to cast a shadow. It has not yet been confirmed whether Harry and Meghan will be invited or whether they will be able to attend. But this coronation also features a queen. Though Camilla, as the king's wife, is known as the Queen Consort, a title that Queen Elizabeth secured her for her daughter-in-law a few months before her death. Palace to quietly drop Consort from Queen Camilla's title, writes the Telegraph. Royal aides expected to read the public appetite for new moniker in time for the coronation next year. So, between now and the coronation, the Telegraph understands, aides hope to quietly drop consort from Queen Camilla's title to bring her in line with centuries of wives of kings before her. Former consorts in modern history, including the Queen Mother, have been called by the simple title of Queen, plus their Christian name. Queen Elizabeth, Queen Mary and Queen Alexandra. An exception has so far been made for Camilla, who has willingly taken the title of Queen Consort as a mark of respect for public opinion following her marriage into the royal family in 2005. Those around the King and Queen Consort are already very relaxed about the public and press choosing to ignore their chosen formal title for the simpler Queen Camilla. A source said. In the coming months, it is predicted they will read the public's appetite for Queen Camilla to be adopted formally in time for the coronation. But there is more on the plate at Buckingham Palace. Camilla may not wear the controversial Kohino diamond crown for coronation which Queen Elizabeth II wore when she was coronated. The row over the Kohino diamond, which India claims as its own, as does the Taliban, is the first of what feels to be a battle royale over how to create a coronation fit for a very modern king. If the palace opts against Camilla wearing the Kohino, there will be renewed calls for the royal family to return the precious diamond. The Daily Mail asks, could Camilla have to swap her crown? reporting that the Kohino diamond might not be used in the Queen Consort coronation headpiece because of political sensitivities. The Telegraph carries the same story under the headline Coronation Row Looms of a Crown for a Queen. But the real news is that Camilla may not wear a jewel-encrusted crown at the King coronations at all. The older crowns of Queen Adelaide, Alexander or Mary could be repurposed 
the definition of crown stretched to include a slightly more low-key tiara or, as per true queen consort tradition, a new headpiece created in Camilla's honour. Why not go the wall hog with a Nico diamond? Wondered one source, mischievously. Find something sustainably sourced? Grow in one lab, maybe? Well, we'll have to wait next year to find out. So, lovely listeners, what do you think about Camilla to be named only Queen Camilla instead of Queen Consort? Do you think she should not wear the Kohino diamond? Let me know your thoughts by emailing me at thebritishwhisper at writeme.com or by direct message me on Instagram account thebritishwhisperer. now for a focus on wildlife in Britain. The Times writes, a road in the village of Keyworth has been dubbed Britain's biggest Edgehog Street after residents created 42 small passageways between their gardens to allow hedgehogs to roam freely. Dale Road residents cut the holes in their fences, walls and hedges to make it easier for hedgehogs to search for food, mates and nesting material without endangering their lives on busy roads. Habitat loss and urbanisation have caused hedgehog numbers to plummet, but Grace Johnson, National Hedgehog Officer for the Hedgehog Street Project, is hopeful that Dale's Road's success can inspire people to action. Hedgehogs will follow linear features like hedgerows and fences and if they can get food and water, they will remember and keep coming back. Very nice thing to do, isn't it? And now, have you heard about what happened last week in Downing Street? Larry the Cat, who serves as a chief mouser to the cabinet office, has been captured on camera chasing a fox from outside the Prime Minister's residence. In a footage sure to appear in the next BBC Natural History series, Larry the Cat is seen stalking the emaciated fox as it prowls up the famous street. Larry has been in residence at Downing Street since February 15, 2011 and was the first cat at number 10 to be bestowed with the official title Chief Mouser. According to research conducted by Professor Don Scott, Executive Dean for Nottingham Trent University Schools of Animal, Rural and Environmental Sciences, cats are far more likely to chase away foxes than the other way around. Curious, isn't it? Cats nearly always win, she says. When Larry the Cat chased off the vulpin visitors from number 10 last week, many of us cheered him on. But others argue the fox deserves its place, both in our folklore and in our cities. Urban foxes, are they fantastic or a growing menace, writes the Guardian. The fox remains something of an outcast in the popular imagination, characterising children's fiction as nasty and cunning. 
The brief scene of the Downing Street felling vulping encounter was another reminder that the urban fox has become a highly visible presence in the capital, not just in the suburbs, but also in the very heart of the city. The London Wildlife Trust estimates that there are 10,000 foxes in the capital, and Woods thinks that the number has been stable for several decades. There are only 350,000 foxes in England, he says, and that's the peak when foxes are born in April. With a 60% mortality rate, they can easily drop down to 150,000. Instead of demonizing them, says Scott, we should remember that we have already lost so many animals in the wild and then take a step back and see that foxes are an amazing, beautiful wildlife that we are lucky to be able to see. So, forget the urban meat and behold the urban fox. How do you feel, listeners, about foxes getting around London? I personally hope to see one. Let me know your thoughts at the British Whisper on Instagram. Time now for some idioms about animals. Okay, the birds and the bees. I learned about the birds and the bees when my baby brother was born. That's to say, I learned about sex education. Cats got one's tongue. It looks like the cats got your tongue, Lucy. Are you always this quiet? It's said about someone who doesn't speak, usually due to shyness. To chicken out. I was going to take a ride on Jeff motorcycle, but I chickened out when he gave me a helmet to wear. To say, to decide not to do something out of fear, usually just before something happens. Dog days. Very hot days. I sleep in the basement during the dog days of August. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish I could. Fishy. I knew something fishy was going on when I saw all of my friends' cars in my mum's driveway. Something odd, suspicious. It's raining cats and dogs. I'm sure you know this. I forgot my umbrella and it was raining cats and dogs. So when it's raining heavily, we say it's raining cats and dogs. To pig out, to eat a lot of something. I pigged out on pancakes so I don't have room for lunch. Until the cows come home. Oh, I could eat pizza and ice cream until the cows come home. Or for a very long time. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. On the podcast website, you can find a link to the podcast webpage with the full transcript of the podcast and its translation in Italian. And if you enjoy my show, please hit subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you don't miss any other episodes. If you enjoy this podcast and you would like to help supporting, please subscribe and leave a rating and a review. To stay up to date with the British Whisper, you can follow me on Instagram at the British Whisper and spread the word. You're welcome to share any feedback, thoughts or ideas, writing an email to the British Whisper at writing.com. And I hope that you can take some valuable information from this episode and apply it onto your English learning. And be sure to come next week for a new episode. Until then, I'm Thea and this is the British Whisper.